Marriage Program and My Law Office is brought to you by My Law Office. It's called Wills and Trust LLC. The only kind of law we do there is wills, trust, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives, review deeds, uh, and associated documents that is, 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 is geared toward making sure that you are protected and that your family and those that you love and the property that you love is protected as much as possible. So if you or someone you know needs a will or a trust or assistance in administering a trust or an estate, give us a call at 240-638-2828. 240-638-2828. Remember, law is really powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. Whether you like it or not, it definitely impacts it. And what you don't know about the law will hurt you, for sure. But what you do know will empower you. So each week, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell tries to empower you by bringing you information and educating you about this very, very important subject that impacts generations to come, not just you, but also generations to come. And as I promised earlier in the year, I'm going to repeat, voting is also powerful. I want to keep everyone's mind on that and keep you thinking about how powerful voting is. I want everybody to, if you have not already, make sure not only are you registered to vote, but that you know where to vote, that Nobody has taken away your registration to vote, that whatever efforts they're making to keep you from voting, you are going to be able to overcome. Because voting definitely determines what kind of government we have, who pays the taxes, who our leaders are. Voting determines who selects the police chiefs in our, in our neighborhoods. It, vote, it selects, sometimes in some states, you actually vote for the judges who name, you know, who preside over trials. Uh, certainly, even if you don't vote specifically for judges in many states, in all states, you vote for the leaders and the people who name judges. Voting determines who sits on jury. You've got to be on the voting roll in order to get on a jury in most states and all that I know of. So make sure you are on the voting rolls that if you are called to go to jury duty, go, go. It's your opportunity to have your voice, you know, listened to and determined guilt or innocence. It's critically important. Go and be involved in school board meetings. Be, get involved. There's, there's a um, really interesting group of women I learned about called who is it? Red wine and blue. Red wine and blue, who are are getting involved in going to school board meetings and stopping this process of taking books away from the schools and stuff. It's it's really you need to get involved in that. I mean that's how Nazi Germany started with banning of books and stuff. And I'm, it's kind of scary what's going on. So don't let it happen. If you can do something about it, please. Um, remember, though, 
what you hear on the program is not an attorney-client relationship. It is not establishing an attorney-client relationship. What you hear on the program about the law, about the things that I'm recommending that you do, is for education and information purposes only. You have to go to your own lawyer and get legal advice for what you need done. Okay, that's really, really important. Let's get started. You hear me say each week that every adult needs at least three basic documents. You need a last will and testament, a power of attorney, and advanced medical directive. At the very least, everyone needs those three documents. Let me repeat, a last will and testament, a power of attorney, and advanced medical directive. You need them signed, notarized, and in your possession. They can be changed, but please put something in place. Whether you are single, whether you are married, whether you have children, adults or minors, if you own a home, if you are well, if you are sick, whatever, please have your last will and testament actually signed, executed properly, your power of attorney and your medical directive. Power of attorney medical directive deals with what happens and protects you while you are alive. The last will and testament takes care of what's going to happen to your property when you die. Because remember something, somebody's going to live in your house and somebody's going to spend your money. So it's important that you direct and make sure that the people you want will have the power and the ability to get to it and to do it, okay? Today I thought, I, this is such a big subject. Uh, if, if you have questions about a particular area, please call in and I'll do my best to, you know, enlighten you to the best that I can and educate you. But I thought that today I would bring you information about what you should do, number one, if you are named to be the executor of someone's will. What should you do? What should you know if you are named to be the executor of someone's will? And conversely, what should you tell the person that you have named in your will? to distribute your possessions. In other words, if you have done a will and you have said in your will, I want so-and-so to be my executor or personal representative, okay? Either one of those terms means the same thing. All right, so if you name someone to be the executor of your will or personal representative, if you have a trust, if you name someone to be the trustee of your trust, what should you tell them? What should you, they know? And conversely, if someone has told you that you have been named to be their executor, because this is what happens, you know, someone will do a will and they'll say to their spouse, their child, their niece, their nephew, whoever it is, their good friend, look, I've named you to be the executor in my will. 
I named you to be the trustee of my trust. The next thing out of that person's mouth should be, and this is what I want you to know, and that's what I'm going to tell, talk to you about today. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. If you have questions as I go along, please call into the studio at 1-800-450-7876. This is a good opportunity to ask questions and to get useful information. I try to give you information that's down to earth, that's easy to understand and to implement and to do something with, okay, that's practical. So let me let's let me start by telling you what I see a lot of. People will call the office and they'll say, Ms. Mitchell, my father, my mother, my brother, my aunt, my sister, you know, died. And they told me that they named me as the executive of the will. I'm supposed to take care of it, okay? Now, now I'm talking about the case where they, the person has been extremely responsible. They have actually done a will. You know, I'm not talking about it where there is no will. That's a whole nother process. But there is a will in this case. And, you know, the person has said, you're supposed to be the executive of my will. Hopefully, they have given them a copy of the will, but even if they haven't. Let me tell you what you should say to them if you're the person named and what the person who has named them should say to their intended executor. Number one, where is the original will? Where is the original will? I cannot tell you how many times people will come to me and they'll say, or they'll call me and they'll say, My uncle told me that he named me to be the executor of his will. And so I said, that's great. I'm glad he had a will. You're supposed to take care of it. Where's the will? Nine times out of ten, they don't know. They don't know. And a lot of times, they don't even have a copy of it. So the very first thing you must do, if someone tells you, that they have named you as the executor of their will is to say, oh, my God, thank you very much. I'm honored. You know, that's quite a responsibility, and I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to do what you want done. Please, do you mind giving me a copy of the will and telling me where the original will is? I cannot tell you how many times people will tell me, I don't know where the original will is. My aunt, my uncle, my brother, my mother, my grandmother always said she had a will. Or a lot of times people will come back from the, I remember I had a case where the the aunt came back from the the lawyer's office, told her nephew, baby, I took care of you. Uh, I just went to the lawyer's office and I did a will and you're going to be in charge and, you know, you're going to get whatever you're supposed to get, whatever it is, Okay. And so often, you know, that is something that you're honored and pleased and grateful for. But you really have to be practical and blame me if you need to and say, you know, auntie, uncle, 
dad, mother, grandmother. I heard this lawyer on the radio. Attorney Mitchell said that when you name someone to take care of, if you want me to take care of these things for you, you have to tell me where is the original will because the courts want to see the original will. Not a copy, not what I think she said. They want the original last will and testament, okay? And so in a nice way, of course, you're never rude to your elders in our culture or any culture for that matter. Um, You can say to her or to him, if you want me to be the executor, I'm honored to do so. But I need to know, where would I go and get the will? And you want them to be specific, okay? So if they say to you, well, baby, I've got a safe in the house. That's where I'm going to put it. Or maybe I'm hiding it under the bed. Or I remember my aunt, she had a little, you know, metal box. And she showed it to me one day. She said, now here, something happened to me. Here's the box. Just she took it out, she opened it up, and she showed me the will. She had her burial policy, she had the deed to the house, and you know, a couple other things like that. And you know, I was born on a farm in Texas, and, and she still lived there. And so she just had put hers in a metal box in case it's a fire. And she said, Baby, it's, it's right under this bed here. And that's where it was when she died. But I knew where it was, okay? I didn't have to worry about not being able to find it. So if your aunt or your uncle or your mother or your grandmother says, I have done a will, ask them exactly where is the original will. So let me tell you what else to say. If they say it's in a safe in the home, because a lot of times people have saves in their own homes, and the persons that they know or the persons that they intend to be the executor of their will knows this. They know this, and they often will know exactly where it is. Tell them how to get into the safe. Give them the combination or tell them where they can find the combination. You know, people have all kinds of ways of doing things. But if they want you to take care of their property, if they name you to be the executor of their will, you really have to be able to get your hands on the original last will and testament. If you're lucky, they may give you a copy of the will. That's helpful, but you're going to ultimately need the original last will and testament. So... Like I say, if it's a safe, the best thing is for them to even show you how to open it up because, you know, some of those safes are, are tricky. And so, you know, you want, you want to do that. If it's in a safety deposit box at a bank, which is something that a lot of people do, I don't recommend it, but that's fine. That's another way of doing it. Then I would recommend that either they – that they put your name on the box 
and they either give you a key or tell you where the key is kept and show you where it's kept. Don't just say, I got it in the closet behind so-and-so place. You want to physically see that key, okay? And if it's in a safety deposit box, you want to you want them to either take you to the bank or tell you exactly what branch of the bank it is physically located in. So it's not enough because people will say, "Well, they said they used to, they had they had the banking at uh, SunTrust or um, Truist. Now I think it is BB&T or Bank of America or whatever, wherever." You need to know that all of those banks have hundreds of branches. And whenever someone says the safety deposit box is at PNC or, you know, wherever, you need to know exactly which branch of the bank it's in. And you need to also know what's preferably to know is the box number. And critically important is that your name is on the box because the bank is not going to let you in to see that box. If you're, after, after that person dies, the bank is not going to let you in unless your name is on the box and you have a key. If you don't have either one of those, we've got to go to court. Well, if your name is on the box, even if you don't have a key, then it's a matter of hiring a locksmith to drill the, the keyhole, okay, so that they can get in, and that all has to be arranged, and, of course, it costs money. But if your name isn't even on the box, then you've got to have a lawyer go to court and get an order from the court, which tells the bank to let you in because it's your information and belief that your aunt, your mother, your brother, your spouse had a safety deposit box there, and you need to get into it to get the will. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell, and I'm trying to give you good information that's practical, that's down to earth, that you can use to empower yourself and empower your families and to help take care of your business while you're alive and even after your death. Today, I'm, I want to give you there are quite a few other pointers I want to suggest to you. But right now, I'm just starting with the very basic matter of where is the will? Because you've got to find the will, the original will that has to be filed in the court. You've got to know where the, it physically is. Now, sometimes people will say to you, well, my auntie said that they went to the lawyer's office and the lawyer kept the will. I don't keep wills, but a lot of lawyers do, okay? If that is so, you need to know the name, the address, and the telephone number of the lawyer's office where the will is kept. And you need to know the name of the lawyer that your auntie or whoever it is worked with. The best thing would be for your aunt or your mother, your brother, whoever this is, to make an appointment, introduce you to the lawyer, make it clear that 
you are the person that she has named or he has named to be the executor of their will and that she or he is authorizing their lawyer to give you the original will when she dies. If you don't want to do all that, then have find out from your lawyer, if preferably in writing, where the key is, I'm sorry, where the will is, you know, is it in a vault in the offices? Because a lot of lawyers no longer keep offices these days, okay? What happens to the will if the lawyer dies? All right, where's the will? Will you be notified? Who's going to take over if you don't have, you know, if, if that lawyer leaves the firm? They may go to another place. Or they may retire, okay? Or if they die. I've had people tell me my lawyer died, but they have the will. So if you have your original will with your lawyer, then I strongly recommend that you get from the lawyer exactly what provisions and what procedures you have to go through in order for your executor to get your original will, okay? What's the process? Some lawyers will actually say, when you die, your relative, friend, executor has to send us a, a death certificate, because I've had to do this for, for a client, and then the lawyer filed the original will in the court. So instead of giving the will to the named executor, because we had a copy of the will, thank goodness, the lawyer said, okay, I'm not going to give it to you, but I will file the original will in the court for you, and then you can take the procedure from there. So that's another thing that you can do. Um, in Maryland, you can file your original will in the vault of the court, okay? Can't do that in D.C. D.C. says they don't have room for that. But you can take your will to the court. Usually it's in the county where you live and have your will kept there. It's sealed. It's not opened until you die. And they will give you a receipt for that will. I recommend strongly that you give your intended executor, or if you're named a copy of that receipt, and if you're the named executor of the will, that you ask the person who, whose will it is to give you a copy of the receipt. So you know exactly what court it's in, when it was filed, and when the person dies, you will be able to go to the court and say, here's the receipt, my aunt, my uncle, my mother, my brother, whoever it is, gave me this receipt. It's my understanding that the will is here. Even then, they're not going to give you the will, but they will open it up and file it in the court as a, as a part of the court record. And then you can take, you know, do the other filings that will actually have you appointed personal representative of the estate. Okay. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. I'm 
the, the, the program is called Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, so I want you to call in. If you have questions about this, uh, 1-800-450-7876. Or if you'd like to have a consultation about either preparing your own will or changing it or whatever, um, I strongly recommend, I'm starting to do more of this now, but I strongly recommend that you have a consultation with a lawyer who is given a copy of your will. And same thing I'm saying for will goes for trust as well. If you've been named as a trustee of someone's trust, you should have or know where the original trust is. You should know what the terms are if you can. Now, please understand something. If you're 40 years old or 50 years old and in reasonably good health, you may not want to give the will to someone. You may not even want to give them a copy of it. And, and that's fine because you might change your mind. In fact, I often tell my clients, don't give a copy of your will out to folks, okay, until you're really sure you're not going to change your mind because they'll have one will and then you change it. They got an old will, but this, the latest dated document is the one that's going to govern, all right? But at the very least, tell the person you've named where the original documents are. Now, that's just the beginning. I just did some real quick research on the on the net, you know, Googled, um, and and I found some interesting statistics. Now, please understand, this is information that I got on the net. I don't know, you know, I, I'm not a statistician. I don't do this kind of research, but I just I found some very interesting statistics. Um, uh, uh, in 2019, there were 46.8 million persons in the United States who self-identify as African-Americans. That's 46.8 million people, which is roughly 14% of the United States. Uh, I'm telling you, we are the largest, if we are one of the largest, if not the largest block in, in the U.S. in terms of, you know, numbers. This was according to the Pew, Pew research, 47% of African Americans own their own homes in 2020. 27.3% earned an income between 25000 and 50000 15.2% earned between fifty and 75000 7.6% earned between 75000 and 100000 and 9.8% of African Americans earned more than $100,000 a year. There are 15 billionaires in the world, of which four are black. There's a man named Robin, Robert F. Smith. He's a Jamaican. Jay-Z, Rihanna, and Oprah. Another statistic that really threw me was, uh, according to a, a website called balancingeverything.com, they had some statistics on millionaires. They quoted something from something called Statistica that said that 8% of U.S. millionaires are African-Americans, which would mean there's over a million African-American millionaires 
in this country. In fact, they quoted $1.79 million. Now, I don't know if this is all exactly true or not. I don't know. But another thing that I've seen in other places, according to Wikipedia, six in ten black men will make it into the middle class. Black men are on a trajectory, and I'm quoting from them, of reducing the wealth disparity in America. I just wanted to share it with you. Like I said, I don't know if, you know, how accurate this is, but it was interesting to me to find those kind of statistics online. And I wanted to share it so that, you know, you all can know there's some positive stuff out there. We're always hearing the negative stuff. There's some real positive stuff out there. But also to begin to appreciate what I keep preaching, that whatever it is that you have, You want to protect it and you want to pass it on because the more that you pass on wealth, the wealthier the entire community becomes. When you empower your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews with a financial cushion, they don't start from scratch. They start on top of the cushion that you have given to them. When you leave money for your organizations and, you know, fraternities, sororities, HBCUs, charities, research, hospitals, that's more money and more benefit that they can offer to the community. So all of this that you hear me talking about each week is quite down-to-earth and practical And I want you to really take advantage of and do the things that I'm recommending that you do. So today, let me get back to the subject. I want to, I'm talking about what you should do if you have been named executor or personal representative of someone's will or trustee of someone's trust, what you should do. And conversely, If you have named someone to be the executor of your will, what should you tell them? In the first part of the program, because I started 8.30, I said it's critically important that you tell them, preferably show them where the original last will and testament is. They should know specifically, not in generalities, it's at the bank, it's at my lawyer's office. You cannot imagine the amount of time, energy, money, and effort that goes into just finding the will, okay? So you've gotten it done. If it's, if it's in a safe in the house, show them the safe. Show them how to get into it. If it's hidden in the ice maker or in your under your bed like my aunt was or wherever it is, Tell your executor, your personal representative, where the will is. Number two, if it's with a lawyer's office, tell them the name, the phone number, the address of the lawyer that has the will. I don't keep original documents. I give them to my clients. They're in a big book that's too big to lose. And it's done that way on purpose so it can't be lost. Okay, or it shouldn't be. It'd be hard to lose it. It's too big. 
So I tell them to put it on, mine's on my bookshelf. My children know exactly where it is, okay? So just put it somewhere that it's, on the one hand, safe, but also easily accessible to your executor. If it's in a safety deposit box, put the, the executor's name on the box and give them a key. But even if you don't want to do that, at the very least, in writing, and if you're the intended executor, you write down in a safe and secure place the name of the lawyer, the phone number, the address, okay? And find out what the process will be for your executor to get the will. What's that law office's process for turning over the will and what will they require? <clears throat> if it's in a bank, write down what bank it is, the physical location, and preferably the number of the box, where the key is. It's really important, okay? If it's in, a, in the court, in the vault of the court, like Maryland does, and I think some counties in Virginia have the exact name of the county where the court is at, Prince George's County, Montgomery County, Howard County, you know, wherever it might be, Charles County, wherever, whatever court it is, have the name of that court, where it's located, and preferably a copy of the receipt, okay? Now, none of this stops you from changing your will. None of this stops you from moving it. But at least your executor knows where to start. The next thing that you should do is give them an idea of what, what you want done and what, if any, arrangements have you already made. Usually, the same person that's named to be the executor of the will is also the person who will be expected to make funeral arrangements, to make sure that, you know, your body is taken care of and all like that, okay? So if you are in the military and you want to be buried in a military cemetery or you are the wife of someone who has the right to or maybe already is buried in a military seminary, you need to have, you know, quickly available the, the discharge paper. I don't remember the name of it. There's a particular form. If you're in the military, you know what I'm talking about. There's a particular form that says so-and-so has been honorably discharged, and that's the form that is required before you can be buried in a military cemetery. So if, again, if you're in, a, in, a, in, in the military and you want to be buried in a military cemetery, then, or you want your wife to be buried in a military seminary, then they need to have that form. And just have it with your other important papers. Just have a copy of that form, and it's just sitting right there, okay? I, I have my clients put it right in the same book that has their will. So, and I've been physically present when someone in my family's uh, husband died, and they came to get the body, and they immediately asked for that form, exactly that form, and we were able to go right to the book, pull out the form, and give it to the undertaker, which is what they needed to have 
in order to make the funeral the arrangements for their burial. Okay, so if you if you have already made called pre-need arrangements for your burial and your and 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 the preparation of your body, tell your 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 intended executor or the person that's going to be in charge of that, and better yet, put a copy of that contract. People have contracts with uh, different funeral homes. Maybe you've already paid for that. If so, make sure the contract for that is there. Okay, sometimes people buy insurance policies to pay for their funeral. Make sure a copy of that policy is quickly and easily available. If you've paid for the burial plot, uh, maybe you are to be buried with your husband or with your family. Have a copy of the contract that shows the exact lot and placement of the plot that you've already paid for or where you intend to be buried, even if you have not paid for it, at least make sure your executor or the person that you intend to do this for you has the actual documentation or knows where to get the documentation that will allow them to do this. This is really important because when somebody dies, you're, they're already upset. They are, I mean, it's just an upsetting thing. And so the easier you make it for them, the better it is. And the more likely it is that your wishes will be followed, you know, at that time when we all have to make that last trip, you know. And so you want to make it as easy as possible. And you don't want your family to have to be in any more distress than necessary when it happens. So this is all we do. And um, I come each week to try and answer questions as well as to give you ideas about practical down-to-earth stuff that you can do to make this whole thing easier. And when you do things, you just feel more relaxed because you know it's taken care of. And you go and live your life. Go and live your life. You can make changes, you know, if you want, of course, but at least you put, you take, you handle your business and you put in place what you need to put in place. So today I'm, I'm telling you ideas and things, practical things. Not just the law, but the practical stuff that will that's that's ideal and to some extent necessary when you have been named for you to know if you're expected to take care of these things for someone when somebody has and for that matter, even if they don't have a will, you know, but you know that your father, your mother expects you to do these things for them. Okay, so so a lot of what I'm telling you today are things that you need to know and you need to put in order. So if there's a will, let me just repeat shortly. If there's a will, you need to know where the original is and you need to know how to get it. And you need to know and be able to get it, okay? So you need to know exactly, exactly where the original will is. Um, secondly, you need to know how to bury the person or how the person wants to be cremated or whatever. Whatever their need, whatever their uh, wishes are, uh, and if they pay for it already, you need to know that, and you need to have it in writing. 
So if, if they say, baby, I want to be buried in the same place where your father was, or you know, my husband was, or my wife was, my child is, or whatever, then okay, I can do that. Please give me a copy of the contract with the company for the burial. Have you paid for it? Let me see what you have. Let me at least know where that is, know what cemetery it is, what the plot is, and so on like that. And what I will be responsible for paying for, and where is the money going to come from to pay it, all right? Before I forget, let me also recommend, if you are, I talked about being in the military, what paper you need for that. If you are a member of a sorority or a fraternity, and you want to have the Omega Omega service, that's what it's called. I'm a Delta, and that's what it's called in Delta, the Omega Omega service. The, the Omegas themselves, the men have a very impressive service as well. The, the, if you are a Mason or a Shriner or a member of the Eastern Stars, and there's a particular ritual that your organization does, and you would like to have that done at your services, your celebration of life or whatever it is that you call it, then your intended executor or whoever it is, usually the executor is the same person who's expected to do all this too. Whoever it is needs to know how to set that up. It doesn't happen by itself. Even if they're not a member of the organization, they need to know who to contact, you know, what chapter or who in the chapter or what friend it is, you know, mama died, she wanted this service, who to call and then know that that person will take care of it or will at least tell them how to take care of it. You need to have specific instructions on where to get the money to pay for the funeral and the burial and, and the disposition of the body. Uh, in, in, in black culture, at least in this area, people use the life insurance policy. Uh, a lot of people work for the government, so they have what we call FIGLEs, federal employee Government Life Insurance, okay, F-E-G-L-I. And, uh, but you need to know that that's what they have, and you need to have a copy of the beneficiary form or something from OPM saying, yes, Ms. So-and-so has a policy, and all of the beneficiaries of that policy have to sign the assignment to the funeral home of those proceeds. So that instead of them getting the money from the policy, the funeral home gets their bill paid first, and then you get what's left over. That's how a lot of people do it, but that requires an agreement from all the people who are named as beneficiaries and that those persons are available to sign the assignment. If you have six children's name on there, and one of those children live in California, you may have some difficulty just as a practical matter of making that work. If you put aside certain money in a particular bank account, like sometimes I recommend to my clients, put whatever you expect your funeral to be, whatever you expect it to cost, in a bank account, a separate bank account, with your name and the name of the person who's going to manage that for you. So let's say you have your daughter, or let's say you have your son, 
and they're going to be the person that's expected to take care of your business. Usually this is the same person as the executor, but remember something. The will does not take effect after you die is one thing, but you still got to file it in court. You got to get the court to appoint you as personal representative, you see. So just because you're named in the will, you can't immediately go and get access to the money. You can't. And that's a shock to a lot of people. <clears throat> but no, just because you're named as the executor or personal representative, the bank's not going to give you nothing until you have gone to court, been appointed as personal representative, get those letters of administration with the seal of the court on it, and then you can go and open up an estate account and get the money put into the account. That can take weeks, if not months. And in the meantime, you got to bury your beloved one. So these kinds of arrangements need to be made ahead of time, okay, and separate and apart from you being named as executor. So, like I said before, a lot of people use the efficient, the life insurance to pay for the funeral. Other people will put a bank account together and put like $10,000 or something in it and put the name of the person that's going to take care of all these arrangements for you on that account and tell them, this is the account that I want you to use to bury me with. So that's just another way of doing it. Uh, we've talked about knowing where the original documents are. That's critically important. And we talked about knowing what kind of funeral arrangements and burial arrangements you want and what, if any, uh, pre-need or contracts or anything like that that you've already made. And also how it's going to be paid for, whether through insurance, through a contract you already have, through a separate bank account, whatever that might be. And do not depend on access to your bank account immediately after your debt. Do not depend on that. Don't say, well, baby, I've got the money in my bank account. You should be able to just go there and get it. Unless your that person's name is on your account, they are not going to be able to get to your money, okay? Um, they just are not. And if one person's name is on your account, it's their money, you know, and you die. It's their money. There's no obligation on them to use it to bury you. In fact, I've had a heir to say, well, no, my mama gave me that money, and I no, I'm not going to use it to bury her with. And all the other children will flabbergasted, but people do strange things when, when it comes to money, and that was their position, so certainly be careful with that and name someone who you know you can trust and depend upon, but that's another way in which some people do it. The, the next thing I want to recommend very, very strongly is put together statements, at least one statement, one place that your executor knows where it is. One statement from every life insurance policy, preferably have, if you don't have the whole policy, have the declaration page, which is usually the front cover that says the policy number, the name and address of the company, the amount of the death benefit, 
the agent, if there is an agent, you know, their name, address, and phone number, and then the beneficiary page, which is often on a different page, but at least where you actually signed or where the insurance says this is the person or persons who are to benefit from this policy. Your, your executor needs to have that, or at the very least, your intended beneficiaries, because you can, that money goes outside of your estate, but as a practical matter, usually the person who is, doesn't have to be, but the person whose name is executor or as trustee is often the person that is looked to to assist in the distribution of that money. Same thing, that's life insurance policy. The same thing with retirement accounts. You need to know, or TSP, retirement accounts can be TSP, can be 401Ks, they can be 403Bs, they can be Roth IRAs. Those, those are, and people have a lot of money tied up in those accounts. So it is, it is important to have at least one statement that shows where each of your, actually where each of your bank accounts of any kind are. Then you, can, you can mark out the amounts because it's going to change. I'm just recommending you put all this together in one place. You can mark out the amounts, but have the name of the bank or the brokerage house, if it's Ameriprise, if it's Merrill Lynch, if it's Vanguard, whatever it might, annuities, whatever it might be, let you know have the have have one paper, one statement from it that has the account number on it and hopefully has either the name of your agent or a telephone number where the the company that's managing this money can be reached. And hopefully also, if there are beneficiary designations on them, uh, uh, the paper that shows what those beneficiaries, who those beneficiaries are. If you work with a financial advisor, okay, I recommend that you have a financial advisor that you know face-to-face. Nowadays, it's like on Zoom, but... You know, I, re- I like to know who's managing my money. I want to know who they are. I want them in a physical location where I can know I can go get to them, where they got the name of the company on the door. And, you know, I, I feel more comfortable with brick and mortar. And today, today's world is now more Zoom and, you know, electronic. But still, your intended executor doesn't know that. They don't have that relationship with them. If you like you can introduce your intended executor to that person. You don't have to, but I'm recommending that you might think about it. Now, again, the executor is not the one, if you have beneficiary designated on all these different, you know, um, um, accounts, you don't have to do this. But the people who are the beneficiaries need to know where your accounts are. And a lot of people over the years move accounts around. I have uh, clients who maybe work for three or four different companies. Maybe they work for Ernest & Young. Then they went to work for uh, some, you know, uh, Boeing. I had one that had five different retirement accounts. And it was only when I sat down with him and his wife 
that he realized, oh, my God, I've got retirement accounts in all these different places. And the wife was like, oh, my goodness, this would have been difficult to know and even to find once they died, once he died. She would not have known that he had worked at Boeing, for example, before they got married and that at Boeing there was a a retirement account. You should be rolling them all over into one or two accounts as you move, but not everybody does that. And we know that a lot of people never get the money that they that are intended for them because they don't know where to they don't know about it, number one. They don't know they're beneficiaries of something. And they don't know to apply for it. You know? So put all of that together. I strongly would recommend that you get one financial advisor who can manage all that together for you in one place and you've done or or you've done a trust and you've named someone to serve as your executor, personal representative of your will or successor trustee to you in your trust and you expect and will depend upon this person to take care of your business for you when you die. These are the things that you need to do. You need to tell them or show them, and you need to know where the original will or trust is. You need to know where the money is to bury the person and or any pre-need contracts that that person may have entered into for their funeral services, funeral arrangements, and their burial. How are you going to pay for it? And, and have access to that immediately. You need to know uh, if there are any particular services that you want done at the, at the funeral. Do you want our celebration of life, as they call it now? If they are a sorority member, a fraternity member, a mason, a shriner, a member of the Eastern Stars, or any organization that provides that kind of a uh, ceremony or service and you want it, then tell your, 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 the person that you have named to be in charge of those things or to help your family with it. Uh, either they need to know or they need to know who to call and how to make the arrangement. Okay? Then the person needs to know and circle back. They need to be able to get to the original will. It's in a safety deposit box. Put their name on the box. Show them, the, either give them a key, which is the best way to do it, or tell them where the key is. If it's in a safe in your house, show them how to open the safe and or the combination of the safe so that they can get to it. And if you move it, tell them where you've moved it to. If it's at a lawyer's office, either take them to the lawyer's office, call the lawyer's office, but in writing, tell them, this is the name of the lawyer that has my will. This is their phone number. This is their physical location. You should call and ask, how does my, my executor get the will? What's your process? What happens if my lawyer dies? What happens if my lawyer moves to a different location? What happens if my lawyer uh, retires? Where's my will? What's the process? Okay, getting and having the original will is critical. Then you have to, then you should make, like I said, arrangements for your burial. And then we get to 
identifying your assets, because that's the role. Know where the money is, what the banks are. Also have copies of your deeds. Don't just say, well, maybe I got some property in the, in the country, in Virginia, you know, where my grandma and my granddaddy was, where I was born at, and so on like that. Get a copy of that deed, even if it's not your name isn't on it, but your grandmother or your grandfather's name is on it. It's a public record. You can write or call the, the, the recorder of deeds office and say, I want a copy of the deed for this parcel. It either has an address, you, you get your tax bill, you can reference that. They'll tell you uh, how, to, how to get your deed. Get copies of your deeds. Have a copy of the deed for your house. Recently had clients got deeds in less than a week in Virginia. So it's not a difficult thing to do, but it sure helps your executor to be able to properly manage and distribute and administer your estate and make sure it gets to where you want it to get to in the least expensive, quickest way possible. Lastly, I would strongly recommend that you might want to consider having a consultation with a lawyer and your executor, or if you are named as the executor, you might want to have a consultation with a lawyer to explain what the process is. I've started doing that with clients, and it's very helpful because I can say to them, I say, send me a copy of the will or send me a copy of your trust, and I, I have them fill out a client's information form for the person so I know what their property is. And when we're talking, I can better gauge what they want done. And then I can explain to them what the process is that they're going to have to go through in order to make this happen. And quite often, we can make recommendations, not to change the will necessarily, but how you can make it easier by either doing something to the deeds or doing beneficiary designations and so on, and what the material is to collect and put together so it's much easier. You've been listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. My, the name of my company is Wills and Trusts LLC. This is the only kind of work we do. We don't do divorces. We don't do criminal. We don't do anything else. Um, so give us a call at 240-638-2828. That's 240-638-2828. And we'll be glad to work with you and or your intended executor, personal representative, trustee, to at least either prepare the documents, make them easier, amend them, or give you guidance in how to put your things together so it's a whole lot easier. Um, and state administration is difficult. It can be long, it can be tiring, it can be very difficult. Uh, there are companies that I'm learning of and starting to work with, I haven't really, but I've been told about them that help with the cleaning out of places and you know, selling a property and all kinds of stuff like that after you've died and, and the intention is to sell. But the, the reality is that this can be made much easier, much simpler. There's a lot of things that we can do with deeds often that will help the transition of ownership from 
a person who has died to their intended recipient. There are a lot of things that we can do with beneficiary designations where we can make sure that the persons, as long as they're not minors, are able to get the money much more quickly. Um, so give us a call. We'll be glad to work with you. Uh, we'll be glad to do our best to answer your questions and explain how the process works. This is all we do. And if you don't already have your will, your power of attorney, your medical directives, and if you're interested in finding how a trust would work, give us a call. Uh, the way I work is to first send you a client information form. We send them out over the Internet. We mail them by postal mail to people. When they're completed, I ask you, if you're on the computer, to send me an email, and then I'll create a secure portal. You can return it to me through. If you are using postal mail, then I just say mail it back to me. Once we get it, then we schedule a consultation with you. A video consultation, if you're on the computer, if you're not, then we do it on the phone. But we do it over the computer most of the time, and that way I can give you specific advice because I'm looking at the names and addresses of your children, your intended beneficiaries, uh, you know, what your property is and how you want it distributed. And then if you don't already have it, we'll make arrangements to do an engagement letter uh, and get started doing your documents. Uh, when we finish them, we give you a book that has your originals and copies of everything. Quite often now, we're making books for the executor or the intended co-trustee or uh, personal representative. That way, they have copies of books. Um, recently, a client had a stroke, and their uh, executor, well, they didn't die. Their power of attorney was able to contact me. He had the book I had given to her. He, he's gone to all the different banks. He's talking to the people in, in, at, at the hospital and so on like that. And he's really able to take care of her because she made these arrangements in writing, had them signed, and had them readily available in her estate document book that we prepared for her. So give us a call. We can do the same thing for you. Our phone number again is 240-638-2828. That's 240-638-2828. Um, in the meantime, be safe. Keep wearing your mask. It's not over yet, you know. If you haven't gotten your shot and your boosters, make sure you do so. People are still dying from this stuff. And get out and enjoy the the beautiful weather while you can. Um, I will be back next week. And uh, in the meantime, stay safe. Have a good day.